son, if you don't hit me with this fucking chair, I'm going to fuck you up. Just like that. <laughs> oh, Welcome back, Wrestle Nerds. Victor Villa here. Let's see who's making their way to the ring. The All Father, old school Joe. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, we've been doing this for quite a while now, but it's not until now that we we're gonna do something real, real special for y'all, man. Um, tonight. We've been blessed to bring you one of our own. Ladies and gentlemen, Shooting the Ish has journeyed through some of the most amazing talents all across the map. Um, but tonight, Shooting the Ish comes home. Brooklyn, stand up. Jersey, stand up. One half of the legendary hit squad and East Coast icon, Steve Monster Mac. How you doing tonight, my brother? Wow, what an intro. I'm hyped now. Let's <laughs> Let's get it. Let's get it going, fam. Let's get it cracking, Pop. What's up? Yo, how you been, man? And how you doing? I'm good. I'm not too bad. You know, uh, just dealing with this. Uh, I hate the fall. I'm a summer guy. So mm-hmm. I change the seasons. I know, you know, the snowflakes are like, but look at the colors of the leaves. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, other than that, you know, uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Totally yeah, right. This weekend, I got Titan Championship Wrestling. And, uh, you know, um, it's the number one. It's, it's a Mount Olympus Rumble, which is just a fancy term for Battle Royal. And uh, the winner no, gets all of those. the first inaugural Titan Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. And, uh, oh, okay. Actually, I don't know why. I just got this feeling. Hey, and all that's all you need sometimes for that confidence, man. You just need that little feeling and that right moment, that yep. right switch up, boom, oh, winning yeah. all the time, man. And talk to me about Titan Championship, man. You stepped into the cage, man, recently with our boy uh, Gary Wolf, right? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I was back in October. <laughs> talk to me about that real quick. The Extreme Legends. First time I ever get a chance. All these years, I've you know, had interactions with Gary Wolf, and uh, he's someone that I kind of looked up to because, like I said in some of my promos, you know, I grew up in New York. I grew up watching ECW at 1 in the morning on MSG, and, you know, I, me and Low Key, my cousin, we, you know, we looked up to everything that was ECW. You know, we came up, you know, WWE hadn't sparked stuff up yet. NWO really hadn't sparked stuff up yet, but ECW, like, it was where it was at. And we knew that we wanted to be part of that style. We love Japanese. We love Lucha. You know, and, and just seeing the stuff that they were doing was just like, wow. And then our boy Lowlife Louie, he really put us on to some stuff. So, you know, like, from there, it just it just grew and grew. And the Pitbulls, man, they were like, like, they were monsters, you know. And it didn't matter how big they were or whatever. When you saw them, they looked like just these monsters that their skin was about to rip off their body. And I mean, everything about them was extreme. And, um, you know, getting in there with Gary Wolf was a one-of-a-kind experience. <laughs> he, he went to go throw me through a TV, and uh, that was stuck on the cage, and because uh, they had weapons attached all throughout the cage, and someone brought a TV. Oh, so, how nice. Geez. That's so awful. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was insane. It was insane. He, <laughs> he, he, um, what you call, he threw me to the TV, but it still had this, the legs on it. So oh, I was like an inch away from getting bailed. <laughs> and I was like, oh! <laughs> oh. 
Oh that would have been no! Bad. Yeah, but but you know it was it was good times. Um, it was uh, you know I listen. We're all here having fun, and Steve Mossmack is this legend. But the real Steve is this guy who's in it, who just turned forty-one this year, and I've been doing it for twenty-three years, going on twenty-four years. So you know certain things as you get older, you have to be smart and realize you can't do anymore. So being that this is probably going to be one of my last cage matches, unless something pops off. Uh, I took it as my opportunity to hit one of my last Van Terminators, you know, uh, back in 2001, I, you know, was at the doghouse. I was like, ah, screw it. Let me see if I can hit it. And I hit it perfect. And I just kept doing it, kept doing it. And I saved it. I always keep it in my back pocket because you never know. And um, right. maybe about, uh, I want to say about 15 times in my career I've hit it. And in that match with Gary Wolf was probably my last one that I'll ever hit. Uh, purposely, you know what I mean? Because sometimes when you get in the ring, you just don't know things just happen. Yeah, something happens that you know you're in the you're in the fields and yeah. you get it, take it back. Yep. And that's that's when we win. That's yep. when the fans win, baby. Because you get us that nostalgia, and there's a rap after that. I know yeah. old school can second to and attest surely to what you were just talking about, because he's a big fan for sure of of those times. And you talk to him about those um that that hit squad back in the day, man. You guys, man, tore it down to say, and that's just saying it lightly. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you know, it's funny. I was telling someone the other day, um, back in '99, 2000, uh, the Indies was a different place. The Indies was a place where people were trying to make a quick buck, and you know, if if they were guys on TV or whatever, you know, they they were kind of laid back. And, you know, you have me and Moth, the hit squad. You had Loki, Homicide. You had SAT, Maisie Red, Quiet Storm, Divine, the Briscoe Brothers. All these cats, we were all hungry. And we did something. We just changed the entire climate. But for us, the four of us, Moth, Key, Homicide, and myself, we took it a little step extra. Because back then, New York, nobody respected New York when it came to wrestling. For whatever reason. I have no idea why. But we came and we smashed through the glass ceiling. And not only did we do it for New York, we did it for all the Hispanics and Latinos in professional wrestling. Because back then, we were looked at as, I mean, look, Johnny Rods. You know, Johnny, bad respect to Johnny Rods. He was someone that everybody tested. But if you ask some of the other cats, ah, that's just the, the homie from, from downtown Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Pedro Morales. Pedro Morales was a champ. But did they celebrate Pedro Morales the way they should have? I don't think so. You know what I mean? You know, and, and like, what was that? Very underappreciated in that. Oh, part, in that respect. and what sweet dude. You know what I mean? Like, not really cool dude. And, but I always felt like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not the first one. I'm not the one to be like, oh, it's all about racing. You got to be, you know, you got to stand up for yours. Because I, I believe everybody deserves a chance to prove themselves. Doesn't matter if they're black, white, yellow, red, whatever. But when it comes to me, you know, um, I mean, look, I'm five foot nine. 260 pounds, right? When I started, I was 230 pounds. I was this short, chubby kid, Hispanic kid from Brooklyn. I wasn't expected to do nothing, right? But because of pro wrestling, I legit traveled from coast to coast to worldwide, like we like to say in our little gang, you know what I mean? And I got a chance to wrestle some of the best wrestlers on TV today and in the past and some in the future, you know what I mean? And it's all because of professional wrestling, all the stuff I was able to do. And I know that I opened the doors I know me and Moff take a lot of pride because LAX, uh, Santana Ortiz, EYFBO, Proud and Powerful, they looked up to us. 
And we were able to pass the torch to them. And look how far they're going with it now. You know what I mean? One of the best are none, bar none, is because they they understood what was being passed to them. Not only was it the New York rep, it was the Latino rep, it was the Hiswa rep, all of that combined into one, and we gave it to them. And now they're making it so that it's their own, but it's still representing us. You know what I mean? So nice. Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston is another one of our boys. Right now, who's hotter than Eddie Kingston? He's on fire. Matter of fact, he shouted you guys out on uh, Twitter when he was uh, when he was putting out the tributes. I remember seeing that. Yeah, I mean, he, he called Eddie, the was my, my wedding. Eddie was at my wedding with boys. You know what I mean? Like, yo, listen, man, are we gonna be seeing each other every day? No, because professional wrestling—that's how it is. You know, you see each other when you see each other, but it's always love, and we always re- represent and respect each other. And uh, you know, Eddie, I'm very proud of Eddie because you know. A lot of the stuff, I know where that pain comes from. I've sat and talked to him. A lot of that's real. You know, when he talks about having family members that were drunk and alcoholics and stuff like that, that's real. That's not fake. You know what I mean? But he uses that. He draws upon it. It's his power, his secret power. That pain is stored in his head, and he takes it out in his words. He's a wordsmith, no matter what. You know what I mean? And he don't have to use fancy words. He just got to say the right ones to make you feel it in your heart, and he's perfect for that, you know? Word, word. He, he, he's playing it the right way, too, right now, man. Hot and main event scene. How does that... Because um, he, he came up with y'all, right? So, like, how was the experience? Because I know you're working with TCW. Uh, I want to ask you about Invictus in a little while, too. Um, mm-hmm. But you, your experience at that time, it was, it was the experience of an underdog promotion, proving everybody wrong. How much different was that experience with your boys... On top of that, versus to what you you know you're working, it's a completely different ball game now. Maybe it's different. Just talk to me about experiencing that because that's got to be a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? That you get to live through that, right? Yeah, big time. I mean, when you look at it, right now, again, I always feel in my heart that while people see me as a legend, people see me as a name or whatever it is that people see me as. I don't see myself as that. I see myself as someone who's lucky, you know, because I get a chance to wrestle and do something that I enjoy doing, that I love doing. Since Loki's father, my uncle, showed me when I was four, three, four years old, showed me about professional wrestling. My grandfather, he showed me about professional wrestling. And, like, when I hear stories of all the old relatives who were before my time, they love pro wrestling. And I hear all the time my grandmother, who I never met, she would have loved me, not only because I was a boy, but because I loved professional wrestling, I became a wrestler. She loved professional wrestling. So when I hear stuff like that, I, re- I realize how lucky I am that I am able to take opportunities and make something with them. And one of my proudest moments, it was almost 20 years ago, right? We got to go to Japan, right? It was me, Homicide, and Moff. We went to Big Japan. But the crazy thing is, we went there on a Tuesday, on a Sunday. I'm sorry. We went there on a Sunday. That following week, Loki was there. So all four of us were in Japan together. And we all came from the same school. We all went to the doghouse in Brooklyn because of Bobby Lombardi opened up the school for us. And we, we took advantage of it. And we were able to make it pay off for us. You know what I mean? How many times can anyone say that they traveled out of state, let alone across the world, with their boys? That's you know what amazing. I mean? They pay for it. And, and, do, and dudes from the, from the block. Yeah, yeah. So... For me, the experience back then, I mean, we were legit. Like, it, it sounds corny, but we were legit blazing our own trail because 
there was nobody before us doing what we were doing. You know, there might have been, you know, you had the Texas Outlaws with Stan Hansen, Brody, Funks. You know what I mean? Those guys, they did their own thing. Down, old school. Down. Well, no, you know what, though? When, when you talk about Brody and Hansen, that's something that you guys kind of brought back, especially to the indie scene, that that American strong style, right, where where the hits were just hits. It wasn't yeah. – you, you didn't you didn't sit there going, nah, man, it's it's fake. You were like, God damn, he took Ouch. his head off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what it was, though? Like, we were a collective. There was multiples of us doing the same style. There were other wrestlers around the country, guys like Reckless Youth, uh, Daniel Bryan, um, you know, Christopher Daniels. Those guys were doing it on the West Coast and in between. But they were like one here, one there. Whereas in New York, it was centralized between the Hit Squad, SAT, Homicide, Loki, um, you know, Amazing Red, like I said, Quiet Storm. You know, all these guys, Boogaloo, Lowrider, all these guys. I gotta say, shout out to my boy Guapo because if I don't, he'll kill me. But the <laughs> Guapo. <laughs> but um, you know, all, all these guys, we were all training with the same mentality. We wanted to bust through that glass ceiling. We were. When you think about it, the Hit Squad was one of the first tag teams to main event on the Indies on a regular basis. We were being brought in as the standout. We were the reason why you came to the show. Back then, there weren't that many tag teams that were doing that. And if they were, they were for WWE, they were for ECW. We didn't have none of that. You know, we came through and we were just guys that, you know, we told the guys that we were working with, listen, man, we can make this fun or we can make this boring. Let's make it fun. You give me a shot, I'll give you a shot. If I if you hit me too hard, I'm gonna let you know you hit me too hard because I'm gonna hit you right back. Go get that receipt. Yeah, that receipt exactly. You know, so but we had an understanding that we were doing it to better the show and better our standing, and it paid off because Ring of Honor. If Ring of Honor don't start, who knows? Start, but Ring of Honor is the place that got us all together to make that next leap for independent wrestling. We were at this crazy. Because sometimes, like I said, man, I'm really, I'm really nobody. I'm just Steve, man, you know? But, like, when I look back at some of the stuff that I was a part of, like, Ring of Honor changed wrestling, you know? And that happened because of what we were doing. And, you know, I, I get yelled at by homicide. You know, you're too humble. You're too humble. And it's just, that's just how I am. You know what I'm saying? But, I, I, I almost but, said it right now, too. Uh, <laughs> I almost I just mean, said it myself. Just, just the, the names you guys kind of. I don't want to say brought up, but but they had to kind of go through you before the Briscoes, uh, Akimo, so, and the Samoans. Uh, Jay Lethal. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was there was a lot of guys who were, who were like five years after us in that time. Like we came, we did what we had to do. We did the little grind, and then they came and we elevated them and we elevated ourselves. And um, you know it was. It was cool because, again, you could go to any show, work anybody, and you could turn anything. I mean, unless the person was an absolute, like, non-athletic, uh, and even then you could use entertaining. You know what I mean? But, like, they had to be an absolute rock, nothing going for them, for us not to be able to pull something out of them. You know, and it, it's cool. We had, <laughs> I don't know how many of you guys know, uh, there's a guy named uh, Metal Maniac. And uh, he used to wrestle with Jimmy Snooker a lot on the East Coast on the Indies. So he would give Jimmy a ride or whatever. And a lot of people knew Metal Maniac as, like, 
he had his time has it, it was winding down, whatever. And me and Moff got paired up against him and uh, this guy, uh, Casey, uh, I can't remember, Casey Beach, something like that. Um, but he was a southern dude and he was just up here because he was traveling with the ring that they used and he's from Kentucky or someplace like that. And me and Moff gave them the bet, they both came up to us. Thank you, you gave us our best match in years, you know what I mean? And like, oh, wow. we're watching it. And he said the same thing about Metal Maniac. I've never seen Metal Maniac move like that. You know what I mean? And it was just something that we had. Like, I think, you know, part of it is it, it's a couple of things, you know, like the energy and the vibe that we bring. Like, um, one of my favorite all-time things is um, we're getting ready for uh, the Beyond Wrestling Tournament for Tomorrow Finals. And it's uh, Mia Moth, Dickinson and Jaka, uh, Shinron and uh, Kimberly, and Santana and Ortiz, right? So we're in the back, and uh, we're just sitting. Nobody's talking, you know, and we're just sitting and vibing. All of a sudden, uh, Moth starts banging a, a drum beat on the wall. And I... <laughs> just, it was just a simple beat. It was nothing. And then Jaka starts singing Aguanile. You know what I mean? Oh. And it, set it set the mood that everybody, even Kimberly and Shimron and Dixon and Jaka, like, Everybody was just fire, pure white fire. You know what I mean? And I can't, I can't, I've never felt anything like that. And I can't say that I'll ever feel anything like that again. But the vibe that we just brought right there, you know what I mean? That's, that's Moff's magic. Moff, no matter what, Moff knows how to get people to like dig deep. Whereas I come and I'm like, I put the chest together. You know what I mean? But Moff brings that emotion. So he's bringing that and I mean, it's on YouTube if you look it up. I mean, we went about 25 minutes, and down to the last hit, we were throwing bombs and grenades. Like, yeah. and it was just, we just fired up everybody from that. You know what I mean? So it's just something that the Hit Squad had that, you know, not too many people, I'll ever know what that chemistry is like with too many people. You know? That's awesome. Um, Steve, I was going to ask any favorite tag teams that the Hit Squad likes to work with? Some of your favorites? So for me, I have a few. I mean, I love, I know they don't get enough recognition, but I love wrestling with Special K. Uh, Dixie, Special. Dragon, Range, Asriel. That four, um, just everything about them was, we told stories. Even when it was just Dixie and Dragon and JAP, you know, they were two brothers from Bayonne, and they were the underdogs, and we were the big bad hit squad, and we got their family involved and we started riots because, you know, the father, uh, the daughter slapped Moth and Moth was about to slap her and the father stepped in and then all of Bayonne stepped in behind them. And like when they won the tag belts and they beat us, like it was, I can't even describe how loud it was. You know, it was just something that was just insane. Like, boom, you know, and um, everything we did with them was just always a great story. Um, I love the SAT. Um, they, SAT and Santana Ortiz are neck and neck my favorites because um, they always push me. They pull a lot out of me athletically, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And I always just, I love like just playing chess with them because especially the, the Maximos, you know, they were always trying to like, they loved us and we respected them, but they were always trying to one up one up them, you know, and it was, it was legit. Like it was some real like nonsense. Like, and it's pro wrestling, so you think everything's just, oh, that's just how they play. No, man. Like, it was mm -hmm. competitive. It was sharks, you know? 
And um, it, it just, they, they brought out so much great stuff out of the squad. And, and, you know, like, there have been some other matches, like Russ and Charlie Haas um, were our first feud, and they taught us how to be tough. You know, um, they just, we, we had, you, you had to look at it. There were two corn-fed white boys from Oklahoma, Seton Hall standouts, pure wrestling geniuses. And here we are, just these two thugs from the street. And the mesh of styles, just, we went at it, and people felt it, you know what I mean? And and that, that was just something that, you know, will always be special, especially with Russ passing and uh, at an early age. And, you know, there's just so many things. And then, I mean, but, like, <laughs> then you got to throw in the legends. Like, I've been in there with the Steiners, Samoan SWAT team, uh, the Road Warriors, Demolition. Wow. Uh, I've been in there with every major tag team except the Rock and Roll Express and the Heart. <laughs> wow. But like, it's still there. time for Rock and Roll. What's that? It's still time for Rock and Roll. It's not the same. <laughs> like I, I, I know, I know, I can still get one great match in there. You know what I mean with them, but it's not the same without the right. You know what I mean? And me and Mom's got to be on the same page for that. Right now, he wants to do his thing, and I'm doing mine. But you know, that's hey, you never say never. Respect. But, never know, say never, right. exactly. Never the wrestling business. That is true. Facts. So I was going to ask you about some riot squads in the crowd because I know with you and Moth and, and, and the legendary bangers that y'all have, man, there's got to be some stories with some rioters out there, some wild and crazy happenings. So I have one of the craziest stories that anybody's ever seen. I mean, I've been a part of, like, maybe 10 riots in my career, you know what I mean? Which is kind of hot, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the most infamous one was, and it wasn't a full-on riot, but it was right, I mean, it was, if it wasn't for the cops, somebody would. I mean, it was one of those things. But I got two stories in mind for you. But first one is, um, we were wrestling for the Samoans out in Allentown for WXW. And the group was me, Moff Key, uh, Mana, the Polynesian Warrior, and Samu, the great Samu. That was a group. We were the bad guys against the Samoans, Afa, uh, Afa Jr., uh, L.A. Smooth, and there was two other guys. I can't remember who it was, right? But we did a promo where Samu confronted his father, Afa, the wild Samoan. And um, <laughs> so Moff... I don't know how you how you miss him. Moff is huge, you know what I mean? Moff somehow, we were outside the ring on the floor, and Moff somehow went around the ring and slammed Alpha Senior with a chair. The wild smoking Alpha with a chair, right? Wow. So everybody's like, now the thing was there was only four people that knew that this was gonna happen. Me, Moff, Alpha, and Samu. Nobody else knew. Not Alpha's wife, not his family, nobody. Oh. He was already in his 60s. You know what I mean? So, I mean, let me tell you, though. Like, you, like, you told Moss, son, if you don't hit me with this fucking chair, I'm going to fuck you up. Just like that. Just oh, like that. shit. the fear of Alpha in him. So he rushed back and killed him. Like, he's, he had a grand slam in the World Series. You know what I mean? So... Turn was Samu was like, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. So we beat up Samu. We have the entire Samoan family laid out in the ring, took off their shirts, and spray-painted their backs yellow. Ooh. The crowd literally knocked the guardrail down and was trying to kill us and get in the ring. And Pops, Alpha's wife, 
when she came out, she's cursing. And she never curses. What the fuck are you doing? He's like, oh, no. So this was live TV in Pennsylvania. So what we did was we waited. Cameras were clear. We went to the back, right? Kevin Kelly, who's the, you know, used to be WWE. Now he's New Japan. He's back play, there. Play, play. He was watching the segment. So he's like, dude, right now, they, they like you hear the cops. Get back. Don't make me pull it out. Get back. Get oh, Old front row were, just wanted to kill us. So what we did was, he goes, you got to send them home happy. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to leave. And this place is going to be tore up. He's like, get back out there and just have them kill you. All right, fine. Yeah. Oh, so it didn't matter, you know what I mean? So we went back out. Um, you know, the fans, I mean, the, as we're coming out, the fans are trying to get us, throwing shit at us and whatever. So we get in, we tell them, all right, get it, get, you know, get your receipts, whatever. And it ends with Alpha Jr. hitting this, I mean, super duper high splash onto me. And it sounded like when Hogan would hit the you and the whole oh, shit. Oh, wow. The roar of the crowd. And everyone relax. Everyone chill. And me and Moff and Key, we're laying next to each other. We're like, yo, we're not leaving until this place is empty out. You know what I mean? So then uh, the next story is uh, I went to Puerto Rico to wrestle for IWA. I loved it. It was awesome. I wrestled uh, Ricky Banderas. In two, uh, yeah, two matches and then uh, a six-man where I got to be in there with, like, you know, all the legends of PR. You know what I mean? And it was awesome. But um, the last night of the tour, um, I, uh, I wrestled Ricky Banderas. He's the baby face. I'm the heel. And uh, we, it was weird. It was like a indoor tennis court. And, like, about 20 feet away from where the ring was, there was a, um, a chain-link fence that was posted into the ground. Like, it wasn't moving. So we, we start brawling. He's like, let's go over by the fence. All right, cool. So now I'm trying to watch because, you know, they throw rocks and shit like that. So I'm watching. I'm hitting him, whatever. So he gets over by the fence, and he's sitting down. And I look, and right next to him, there's this little girl cheering in his ear. Come on, Ricky. Holding on, squatting down. She's probably like seven or eight. Come on, Ricky. So I looked at her. And I gave her enough time, and I like I brought my foot back so that she could see I was going to kick so that she could move. You know what I mean? So she was smart. She moved. I kicked the hole in the crowd. Boom! Now the rocks start coming. Right? Oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Hit. oh, my God. That's how you get heat. That's how you get heat. Ricky wins. I have, all, I have like nine police officers surrounding me. right? And I'm still like, fuck you, Ben Right, right. That's what I'm saying. If I didn't have those cops, I would have been heating up easily. <laughs> so, so we go after the show, we go down the road maybe about two, three miles, and there's a restaurant. And we all, like the heels all stop at this restaurant. So, <laughs> I'm waiting online. There's like maybe six people in front of me. And I look at the menu, and this lady comes up to me, and she's like, excuse me. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, oh, maybe that's like my mom's cousin, because I got family out there and stuff. I don't know, you know. And uh, she's like, you wrestle on the show tonight, right? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, were you the one that went to go kick that little girl? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, all right, well. And she opens up her purse, and she pulls out a blade like this long, right? Perfect English. None of this people from the mountains crap. You know what I mean? No, none of that, right? Perfect. Oh. She goes, well, the next time I see you, if you ever do that again, this is going to be inside of you. 
And she walked away, all calm. <laughs> Puerto Rico. The business we love, baby. Yeah, the business we love. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. And, 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 you, you can't know what make it these is? things up. You, it, it, only, it only makes you that much greater, man. It, it shows that much, that much. How humble you are. Yeah, they right. You too humble. Because that, that, just, that just shows your work. That much more perfected, like it's it's it, you 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 go that much your reach is that much further that it can piss somebody off enough to want to kill you, and that's just <laughs> that's the magic of it all. Realistically, I mean, all I had to do was say I was from New York in Puerto Rico and say I'm a New Yorkian, and that's enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That little girl, I guess that was the queen. Oh. <laughs> in my own, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> oh, dude. That definitely did the job. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, um, that's amazing. You tweeted. That's you, amazing. So, I want to switch gears real quick. You tweeted uh, something a while ago, and I remember when I saw it, I was like, damn, that's a good, that, that would be a good discussion here. And luckily enough, we have yet to bring it up, and now you're here. I, I, I would love to ask you now. Uh, you mentioned something about missing the nostalgia of walking into a, an arcade uh, of sorts and, and, and just missing the classic uh, video games that were available to play in, select, in selection. Talk to me about your gaming uh, um, life and, and, and uh, what are we talking, man? What's your favorite game? What do you play now? What are you, what are you doing? Right now, as we are taping this, I'd show you, but it's kind of a mess. But my phone is standing up against a small Miss Pac-Man countercade, right? Ooh, but it's on nice. the, the Street Fighter 12-in-1 arcade table. Ah, I see that table Ooh. before. I have a TV behind me, and my Raspberry Pi is plugged in because I thought I was going to be doing this audio, and I thought I'd be able to Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, now I got everything you know i mean um when i was younger i used to work at gamestop from like 15 until 26 i was off and on in between jobs if i was you know out of work i go right back to gamestop you know um i was actually joking with my mom the other day she was like you didn't have a job i was like ma i worked for almost 11 years at gamestop i was like oh damn it mom oh man I didn't hang out. It started out that way when I was 14, but up until I could start working at 15. And once I got that okay, I started working there. As, you know what I mean? Seasonal, and I stayed on. And like, I worked in probably like about 10 different game stops at one point. You know what I mean? And um, but they knew I knew my stuff. Like as much as I knew about wrestling, I knew even more about video games. You know, so. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and, and and now I'm putting my mom on blast because she hates when I tell her. <laughs> right? Talk to me. That's the story. <laughs> when, that's when the one. Seven, eight, nine. Somewhere in between there, I had written Sega a letter about a video game. I was like, you know. I don't even remember. It, I know it had something to do with driving. And it was kind of like Grand Theft Auto in a way. Like the first Grand Theft Auto where it was just driving those cars or whatever. And then walk around doing missions. But it was like, it wasn't like that. You know what I mean? It's just like that. Whatever. So I wrote them a letter and I was like, hey, what do you think about this idea? Blah, blah, blah. I typed it up all nice. You know what I mean? Like, 
Because I was like, how am I going to write this in like crayon? It's going to look stupid, you know? So I typed it up. I thought it was all hot nonsense because I typed up this letter to say, I send it. I don't think nothing of it. Maybe about two months later, I get a letter from Sega. And Sega is like, hey, we like your idea. Would you like to sell us your idea? We'll give you... I, what? I always say it was a half a million dollars, but it's more like 50000 I'm pretty sure. You know what I mean? Wow. That's, that's a idea. lot of money for that's an lot. eight-year-old. For an eight-year-old, yes. So I show my mom. Jeez. Look, is this what it says? And she's like, yeah, they want to give you money for this. She goes, this is what we do. Because it was just like April. She's like, school's over in June. We'll send a letter back in June. Let them know that you're going to take it. But for now, just finish school. And then that way, the summertime, you have this, right? Okay. So the last day of school, she had put it behind. We had a TV inside of a wall unit. And she put it in the wall unit. So the last day of school, I come home. I'm looking. Maybe she moved it. I'll wait till she gets home. All right, cool. She gets home. Mom, where's my letter? What? Where's my letter for Sega, you know, that we said we were going to... Oh. I threw that out. I didn't think you needed it. No! Oh, my God! Why does it... Why doesn't that story surprise me? Because I had many of those moments with my mother as well. Bro, legit, oh, on Sunday, God. coming home, I'm talking to her. On Monday, I'm sorry, on Monday, I'm talking to her. And, and she's like, you still telling people about the Sega story? I'm like, of course! You 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 changed my life with that story, Mom. I could be making video games, making millions, and instead I'm getting my ass beat for being a pro wrestler. And she's like, nah, you like wrestling better. It's all right. It's better for you. 